Hey guys, thanks for listening to the Bearbow Project. Just want to remind you that to go support our sponsors, XS Wings, Yoast Archery Products, and our new sponsor, uh, Yager Archery Grips and Accessories. Uh, Mr. Paul Yager is doing some pretty awesome things in the uh, with the response to the COVID-19 and is currently switched gears to making medical masks to help the fight against the coronavirus. So please go check him out and all the others. And don't forget to sign up for the May online archery tournament. Bearbow will be shooting 50 meters. Longbow will be shooting 30 meters. It should be fun because nobody out there is shooting online tournaments like the Bearbow Project. All live feed, all the time, working toward getting better till this thing passes. So thanks for listening and support our sponsors. Have a wonderful day. So here we go. This is episode number seven with um, Mr. Rick Stonebreaker. My name is Frank McDonough from the Bearbow Project, and I'm joined with my trusty co-host... And, uh, you know, Rick has been kind enough to jump on with us and we're going to do a little bit of a series here and the series we're starting with because obviously indoor has come to a screeching halt and Rick is down there in Texas shooting 50 meters like all year long, um, trying to get that, that leg up on, on the rest of us. Just kidding. But we're, we, Rick is, is definitely the 50 meter game is his game and it was John's idea to try to get Rick on and, and what we want to do is go through pretty much start to finish of you know how to set up for the 50 meter game and maybe maybe some tricks of the trade that, that these guys use um, so Rick welcome to the podcast man thank you <laughs> um, John what what do you think where do you think is the is the best place to start as far as when you're going to get ready for the 50 meter game? Where where do you think is the most crucial piece that you got to start at? Is it just equipment available or what? Yeah, we can start with equipment, uh, just general tuning and how how we start that. Um, if if we want to talk about uh, the poundage we decide to shoot to give us a a slight advantage if you know, weather conditions change um, or are unpredictable. Okay, well, I'll tell you what, Rick, since you are the man of the hour, why don't you give us a start on, say you're working with a new shooter, you can pick the, the, the situation or maybe the most common, how do you get started? just above the cheekbone 
and I lowered it, pulled it underneath the cheekbone, and I was able to shoot 60 meters point on. So that's where I'm shooting indoors and outdoors. Uh, it's a good feel for distance. Uh, probably, I would, I would say probably is not as effective indoors as my two counterpoints that have uh, a higher anchor. Obviously, Fawn has a real high anchor, and um, I, I do believe that the closer you get to the string, the more stable your bow is. So uh, <clears throat> when I set up for indoor and field, I usually tune for 20 meters, and when I shoot outdoors for like 50 meters and 60 meters, I usually go up to about 40 meters, and uh, the knocking point is just a little bit different. But when I'm shooting a bear shaft at six meters, I'm just putting bullet holes in. And uh, depending what which arrow I shoot, most of the arrows fall in the gold at 50 meters with my other shafts. Sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. Sometimes I don't care where that bear shaft lasts if I'm shooting a group. My brace height is about nine and three eighths. Um, I shoot a 72 inch bow, 16 strand string. My arrow that I have had stable for the last couple of years is a McKinney Carbon Tech 2, CT2, 500 spine, um, somewhere around 30, 30 and a half inches, 120 grain point. I like the uh, Easton Genoc. Uh, for some reason, the biter, the offset biter, I have to go higher on the string and I'm real uncomfortable with a high knock point. So uh, uh, I use the spider veins, 1.8, and uh, they work well for me. I'm real comfortable with it. So when you're starting somebody out, uh, trying to get involved in 50 meter, would you say that the, one of the first things that you do is try to figure out what a good anchor point would be? Uh, for them to reach 50 meters and have a good solid aim and a good... Um, Maybe not not a lot of a crawl, or yeah, not a lot crawl, but well, something, even, something closer even than with, that. Even with my anchor right underneath the cheekbone, uh, my crawl for 50 meters, well, I can go 60 meters point on. So my crawl isn't too far down. Would and, you say like a quarter inch? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Right. And uh, most people work starting off with they're they're pretty much right up against they're right up against the arrow um they may be uh a lot of them like to try it with that finger in the corner of the mouth but i don't think that's very stable but uh starting right off at 50 meters obviously is a little difficult so we start a little bit closer um yeah starting somebody right off 50 meters can be a little bit of a challenge Rick, what do you, you you said about the finger in the corner of the mouth, and I know you're a fan of that um, index finger on your cheekbone. Would you is the index finger on your cheekbone the only part of your anchor that you use, or do you have? Oh, okay, okay, hold on. When I started out, or I start somebody else, you put the finger in a in the corner, mm -hmm. but you'll find out that that ridge right along your 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 finger is actually a little bit higher than the cheekbone. So if you pull that finger underneath the cheekbone, 
that finger is no longer in the corner of the mouth. Now, what's also interesting about that, and I, I've had a video on that, is when you come up underneath and put that in there and come back to full anchor, if you notice the back of your cheekbone is in between the web of your thumb and your finger. Now, I don't purposely put it there. It ends up there. Yeah. And that's what I discuss with people that I'm working with. It. I don't try to put the back of my cheekbone in that web. I'm coming back and basically sliding it, and that's where it ends up. And once I'm in there, once I'm in there, you can grab me and you can pull me all over the place, and that anchor is not coming loose. Yeah. What do you do with your thumb on your anchor? It's uh, it's just the thumb. Yeah. Is actually tucked right up underneath your uh, jawline. Yeah. Okay. Good. In fact, you're making me do that right now to where it actually feels like it. That's why I had to say that because <laughs> I never thought about it before. It's just, it's just there. Yeah, it's no, just it's there. It seems like there's a puzzle there that all the pieces seem to fit. Yeah, and that might be different. That might be different from shooter to shooter, depending on their facial characteristics or the size of their hands, or they might be able to get away with certain things or not, or maybe even the position of their hook, the way their fingers are on their hook. If they're super deep, you know, they might be able to get away with it. Do you shoot a deep hook um, in any of your games, fifty meter? I don't know if it changes from eighteen to fifty. I doubt it. But what kind of what no, kind of hook? I do you don't have? have that deep hook. In you, fact. What's interesting is uh, when I was doing those barebow seminars at X10, mm -hmm. I got a blow-up of uh, John Demmer's anchor and a picture of Magara and a picture of mine, and all three of them are different. Yeah. John has a beautiful, I call it a bear claw. It looks like all three of his fingers are the same on that string. Mine aren't. John, mine... Would, would, you, would you describe yours that way, or is your... Is your um, ring finger a little a little less? It's a little less, but it's still on there decent. It's kind of mm -hmm. like uh, Crispin's. I don't know if anybody ever seen the video of shoot like me with Crispin's oinus. Yeah, uh, but it's very similar to that. Same, Grayson. How about you? Uh, I have a very deep hook, and my ring finger is on there pretty good still. My, I'm the same. I have a. I, I'm a very deep hook, at least on my top two fingers. My third one does slide a little bit forward, but I'm holding probably 60-40 on my top two fingers, so I don't feel that bottom one as much. But, you know, that's I think I think your your anchor point on your face definitely is going to be affected by and the positions that you can get away with where your where your hook is. You know, if you don't have, if you have a shallow hook, it is going to be hard to get to the corner of your mouth with just the, the location of the, that, that jawline in general. So if you can make it work, but Rick, like you said, you use that thumb and that fits in like a, like a jigsaw puzzle. So if, if you're repeatable with that, you know, you're going to get really good results down, down the, um, down range. So it's 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 interesting to see though how many people have different varieties on their anchor and their hook, and how they all can make it work in some way, shape, or form. You know what I mean? Um, right. So. The hardest the hardest part sometimes is trying to get people away from the fingertips. 
Yeah. It's hard to get them into that first one. They, they, they don't trust it. It's uncomfortable. Yeah, Initially, it's uncomfortable, I think. It is. But uh, Darwin Cole stopped me doing that years ago. And uh, when I do my little seminars, I, I, I show what happens when you're at those fingertips. The back of your hand is crooked because you're using a bunch of muscles. But if you come into that first distal joint, the back of the hand is relaxing a little bit because you're using more bones. You know, it, it's it's so it's I don't want to say it's simple, but it's it's just basic. You know. Yeah, I think so that's got some validity some, for uh, sure. Yeah, that yeah. that makes sense. I think the the part that I've always struggled with getting too far out on my fingertips is my target panic gets worse when I'm out too far. It just seems like I'm, I manage it better, and, and I'm not. I don't have that temptation to want to let go. I feel like I got more control when I have that deeper hook. Right. So. And a lot of people, and no matter what tab we use, um, I start my finger is right up against. I'll just call it that block, and uh, that's where I start. That's where I uh, put my thumb and figure out what my crawl is going to be for that distance. But if I open my tab and show it to you, you'll see the crease where it actually relaxed itself. But so many people, they won't come in there. They start way out there, and it's going to relax even more. So sometimes it gets frustrating trying to get somebody to do something different than what they're used to doing, which hasn't been successful to start with. Yeah, I have a hard time trying to talk people into something new like that and sticking with it for more than a day because it's it's something that they're not used to. Uh, so they don't when they first try it it's very uncomfortable for them, but they don't give they, it enough they don't give it enough time. They want instant success. Yeah. And that does, that does not exist in Barebow. <laughs> and they don't understand sometimes how long we've been doing this, even though I've only been doing barebow for five years, I've been doing recurve for 40 years. Right. And Grayson's been doing it for like four months. <laughs> <laughs> no, I've been at it a little while now. <laughs> well, yeah, if you only add up, a, if you only add up a month per year, <laughs> been doing yeah. It, yeah, it's only less than a year, half a year. <laughs> Rick, when did you switch to barebow? You were an Olympic recurve shooter. Is that, is that what you're saying? Yeah, I reached, I shot uh, recurve up until about 2006. Uh, well, last when I lost my job at NASA, my routine changed. I had to go look for work, and I didn't, you know, and things changed. I still ran tournaments, and it was um, maybe 2012. I tinkered a little bit with barebow. Um, Skip uh, Trafford was down in this area. And some guy from England was, was living here. I tinkered with it a little bit. And then, um, was it 2013? Where uh, Demmer and Rogers, Wirt, Eagleton came to Eagle Lake to shoot National Field. And I'm going like, oh, yeah, these guys know <laughs> what they're doing. So, at 2013 probably sparked me. And then... Uh, 2014, I guess 2015 was my first national with, with Barebow, but it was uh, it was a fairly easy transition for me. All right, 
So real quick, and just because there are some questions, I already I posted a just a question saying we're recording with you, Rick, and just saying we're talking everything fifty meter game, and we had some some questions already. Actually, it kind of blew up in no time. But just can I don't, John, if you know your actual setup yet for fifty meters, Grayson, I think you've played around with it already. Can we go? Let's just go through what your what your current fifty meter setups are. Um, Rick, I think you already sort of mentioned yours, but will you go through yours? Uh, do you know like your arrows, arrow weight? Did you? I don't know. Did Did you say that in the very beginning? I think I m- missed the part of that while I was recording. Yeah, my McKinney arrows are 500 spine with 120 grain points. And what uh, what draw my, weight? Um, draw weight. Yeah. Uh, thirty nine forty on the fingers. Okay. Grayson, what's yours? Did you get to play today like you were going to? No, I didn't actually go shoot today. Um, I wanted to, but I didn't make it out there. I was lazy. Um, but <laughs> I can tell you roughly what it's going to be. Um, I, I think I'm going to be within a spine and with the current arrows I have. So they're, they're either going to work or they're going to be really close. So I'll be shooting a, a GLO 27-inch riser of some kind, GT or G1. Uh, Uka VX Plus lens, 36-pound lens, and I'll probably, depends on how the point-on works out, it'll be somewhere 37, 38 pounds, which is enough for me. I, I can get point-on at 60 meters if I need to, um, but I don't have a problem reaching 50 with that draw weight. Um, arrows are going to be Carbon Express Nano Pro Extremes. 750 spine. That's what I'm playing with right now. Um, cut to 30 inches to start. 100 grain points, and I'll play with that a little bit if I need to to get a good tune or to adjust point on. Um, 60 millimeter high or 70 millimeter excess wings with spider knocks. Uh, I haven't actually set up the bow, but when I do, I'll just do a base setup, which I, I do every time I go to tune a bow. So I'll set the knock height at half inch. Um, I'll put the, the weak spring in the biter plunger. I'll set my center shot to where the string is running along the right-hand side of the arrow. Um, tiller will probably be a quarter-inch negative to start with. And I'm, I may never touch it, you know. And then I'll just I'll shoot an arrow at 50 meters and see where it goes. Can you elaborate? Can you elaborate on what a quarter inch negative uh, is for listeners? Because not everybody's going to understand that. So if you measure the distance from put the I guess the bottom of your bow square on your limb where it meets your riser, and measure the distance from there to the string on the top and bottom. So negative tillers, that bottom measurement is greater than the top. So say it's uh, seven and three quarters up top, it'll be eight, eight inches at the bottom. That's a quarter inch negative tiller. Now I set my brace height at about nine and a half inches for a 72 inch bow to start with. All right, perfect. Anything else? Uh, I can't think of anything else. As far as the, like my standard bow setup, but that, that's about what I do. I set the the biter plunger to uh, two or three with the weak spring in it, 
and just go from there. I'll shoot an arrow at 50 meters, see where it goes. If I'm, you know, aiming at the gold and I hit, you know, bottom of the target, I know I'm going to have to make some serious changes. That my whole arrow configuration is going to have to change, or I'm going to have to go up and wait. Um, but I'm pretty sure it'll be easily point on, probably further. So then I'll either have to crawl or I'll adjust my setup slightly to get it exactly point on. Um, I'll shoot a little bit, make sure that the arrows are grouping okay. And then I'll come up to like 10 meters and shoot a bear shaft with my the hook I'll use at 50 meters. So I, I won't crawl down the string to hit where I'm aiming at at 10 meters. I'll just aim low and let the arrows impact high. And I'll see if the, the bear shaft is grouping with the clutch. Um, and then I'll, I'll work that out. I'll go to, you know, 20 meters, 30 meters, and eventually out to 50 meters. Uh, typically, I can get the bear shaft pretty close. It's not a necessity. You don't have to. But I can, and, and I don't, if I can and it's working well, I don't know why I wouldn't. So that's just something I do. But like I said, it's not a necessity. You, uh, what about you, Mr. Demmer? Uh, it's going to be a little bit different than last year. I'm not quite sure what it's going to be. Um, I'm getting my limbs in Friday. Uh, they're going to be 37 pounds. Probably going to try to stick with that until everything subsides. Uh, I could probably get all the way up to 39 with those. But normally I'm around 39 to 43. Uh, last year I ran uh, the Epic Riser and Velo Slims, and I was a fairly long 700 Spine Nano Pro Extreme with 110 grain points. Uh, don't know why that's usually really, really weak for me, but that one, it, for whatever reason, it worked out really well. Uh, I'm anticipating that I'm going to be probably a 650 to 700 Spine this year with uh, about four to yeah, four to six pounds less on the fingers. Um, I got a set, like I said, I got a set of limbs coming in. They're going to be uh, the John Dillinger special. Um, <laughs> so I'm pretty excited <laughs> to try them. I shot his limbs in Vegas and absolutely love them. So, um, and I'm very similar to Grayson, how I set it up. I kind of have a good idea where the spine is going to be and the arrow length is going to be. Uh, I like running 110 grain points if I can. Uh, I don't try to drop too light if I don't have to. So I'm going to start out at like 10 meters or 5 meters and start with a zero crawl. I'll start my bow at a, a zero tiller. Um, so the top and the bottom measurements are the same. And I'll shoot at a really big target and I'll put like a small little circle at the at the bottom of the target at like five or 10 meters and shoot both a bear shaft and a fletch, see where they hit, make the adjustments that are needed. Uh, if I got a cut arrow, I'll cut arrow and then I'll continue that until they look pretty close. And then I'll just slowly step back to 20, 30, 40, and then end up at 50, just like Grayson. And, and if I get that bear shaft, preferably in the gold, that's awesome. Uh, if, if I'm running out of arrow room uh, for cutting and the bear shafts are hitting in the eight ring, uh, I'm okay with that. Um, I know some people, I think Rick does this. He, he measures both the bear shaft and the fletched arrow 
and he wraps tape on the back end of his arrow to uh, get the arrow the way the same and have the same kind of uh, impact uh, on the spine with the fletched and bear shaft so that he can get a really good idea of what everything is doing downrange. I'll be running most likely 70 millimeter excess wings. Fighter plunger, most likely the medium spring at the weakest setting or uh, the, or the, the lightest spring around mid, you know, maybe three turns into the four. That's usually where I end up. So I'm just guessing that's what it's going to be. Okay. So just to give some people an insight on what I, last year, I was definitely still very green when it comes to shooting the outdoor. I, I had never shot outdoor bare bow before. And um, I was shooting a Galaxy Torch with Galaxy Limbs when I started. Threw on some XM packs that I had. And I think I was aiming, if I remember correctly, at the top 12 o'clock on the bale to hit. And that was in the beginning. And John, I shot with you at Palmyra, um, sportsman. And, you know, I could not, I shot, I think, one tournament. And you and I talked, and within probably like one or two more tournaments, I ended up getting that 27-inch Gelo that you had. And... Um, got some and was able to then get to a point on and the distance the difference and there was a question the very first question or second question was um was just that is do you aim on aim off lollipop or go go right point on covering the gold and i'm just going to touch on that because it happened to me and it was a huge jump in my personal scores now granted i've was a really relatively well no I was a very new barebow shooter. I think I my first barebow 50 meter or 72 hour round was like a 580 something. And then um as soon as I was able to get a point on and a better tune and I learned how to to do that from from you and Grayson or with the help of you and Grayson, my scores immediately jumped to the 620s. Like just like that. And just from being able to aim in the middle and have a, a specific aim point now for me and I know we joke around, I'm colorblind. So when I aim um, at that distance, like all the color, all the dark colors just kind of merge together. Like I can see them when I'm up close, but that far away. So I have to have a place where that tip of the arrow stops and that's at the bottom of the gold. That's why I think I get messed up when I shoot with point on completely. Um, but that point on made a huge difference. Do you guys, when you work with a shooter, um, or obviously if like somebody at your club, Grayson or John, I know, you know, you and I have talked, Rick, I, do you, is your goal to get them point on at all times if possible? Uh, yeah. Hey, can I, uh, back up on something? Uh, Grayson reminded me of a few things I didn't mention. Yes. My tiller is also about, uh, about an eighth. Three sixteenth negative, and I've gone everywhere from a quarter positive, a quarter negative, and it just seems to fall back in that range. I use a medium spring on my plunger, and I'm also left of center. Um, I forgot to mention I shoot uh, win-win graphene limbs on a 27-inch CD, and I've only got about four ounce extra weight on there. Um, Grayson also mentioned something that I do in my backyard. Uh, because there's definitely a different feel between shooting 20 meters in your backyard and trying to shoot 50 meters at a range. 
and I'll take a, a 40 centimeter target and actually lay it, set it on the ground and I'll be back at 20 meters and actually 25 meters, open up the gate, visit my neighbor. And I aim, use my 50 meter crawl and I aim at that target that's sitting on the ground and the bow has a different feel to it. And what's really difficult about that is having an arrow go someplace where you're not aiming it. It's, it's, it's a good practice for doing that. And it's, it's really interesting to do that. Um, aiming on oh, a bow. No. no, 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 no. Oh, okay. I just have a 40 centimeter target on the ground mm-hmm. and that's what I'm aiming at at 20, 25 meters with my 50 meter crawl. And the arrows are just going up in the target somewhere. Oh, okay. But the idea is to try to get a group. Gotcha. That's aiming at really good almost practice. Like, almost like yeah, it's almost like gap shooting. You're not hitting what you're aiming at. Yeah. Okay. Same way with the trail when you can't get 50 meters. Just to have the same feel right. of your 50 meter crawl, uh, the the way the bow feels, that anchor and everything, keep it the same as if you're practicing 50 meters, but you can't, can't get out to 50 meters. So that, that's a, a good drill to do. Yeah, that's that a, is a good, good drill. Thing. I like that. That's a great drill. I mean, and that's something that people right now with the obvious situation going on with, with the coronavirus and people being quarantined and stuff like that, if you can somehow get out to an 18-meter range or you know, maybe you have a 10-meter garage or who knows what your yard length is. That's that's a great way to get the 50-meter feel with a 18-meter shot. So, all right, thanks, Rick, for that. Go ahead, keep going then. Yeah, if you and if if you have any distance, 10 meters, 15, five, or whatever, and you got something to aim at, you can always use the uh, the 20-centimeter field face and do a a, a practice like uh, Ben Rogers talked about his is a uh, cure for target panic a few years ago. Um, aim, aim it dead center and try to hold it for five or six seconds. It's a, like a drill. Just try to hold that for five or six seconds before you shoot it to keep that bow from moving. That's the whole key is try to keep the bow from moving during your shot. But you were talking about point on at 50 meters. Um, John can relate to this. When we were shooting 60 meters, we could go point on and we could hit that 60 meters. When they changed it to 50 meters, it was different. That's that goal is so much bigger at 50 meters. Yeah. When we put up an 80 centimeter face at 50 meters, we can shoot some much tighter groups. It's so hard to shoot at that 50-meter target because you want to shoot when that arrow gets into the gold. And that was one of the things I've been fighting for several years was that snap shooting until I realized when I was shooting recurve, I put that sight in the gold and I had to pause just long enough for that clicker to go off to take my shot. Over this last year, that was one of the things that I had had done to improve my shooting was now the snap shooting was working as long as it's consistent, but I wanted to do something different. So to be able to cure that, and this is what I work with with some people, so they get over that snap shooting is the very 
instant that that point comes into the gold, you tell yourself, pause, wait, and then shoot. It's probably a difference of a quarter of a second or half a second, but it's it's a big, big plus for me. So that's how I try to get people to keep from snap shooting when that point comes in the center of the target. Pause, wait, and then shoot. Good stuff, man. I guess, I guess it would at the eighty centimeter face. If it's you know, if you're training at that or whatever, it's going to make you aim a little bit finer, just because of the sheer size of the gold. I guess that one hundred twenty-two centimeter face could definitely make you a little, little bit lazy of sorts. Well, that's for what, me, that's what the field shooting on a WA face will help you with. Or if 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 you're on an NFA range, the hunter course. It's excellent for practice. All right. Good stuff, man. That's excellent information. Um, anything else you guys wanted to talk about on that? The just the whole point on thing. Uh, point on, I would say is it's ideal in point on, but it's not necessary. At least for me, um, you can aim high as long as you're somewhere on the target and you have a consistent reference. I think you can be okay. Uh, this past summer, I shot a around in the pouring rain where I was aiming at the the top of the target, and I still shot six sixties. So, yeah, I it, remember it's, that. It's totally doable as long as you you have a consistent reference. It, it looks better and feels better to be point on on the gold, mm-hmm. but it's it's not completely necessary. John, what do you think? Um, I ideally, if I can get at least fifty-three meters, uh, that works better for me because I'm I'm one that, boy, if I if I deviate from my norm, I don't shoot as good. I could probably get away with it for a little bit, but eventually, usually, it just it bites me at one point or another. Um, so I like fifty. I like to get it at fifty-three, fifty-five, personally just for situations like you were talking about rain or, you know, a downwind or you're shooting into the wind. Yeah. Um, Cause sometimes that weather, it, it kind of makes the distance either longer or shorter. And if I'm shooting, if I got a longer point on, I'll always be point on um, unless it's just absolutely extreme conditions. But um, with my, with my anchor, I can get, pretty close to 60 meters so my 50 meter setup has about a quarter inch uh yeah about a quarter inch crawl okay yeah i I think that's a a good thing to take into consideration as well it doesn't hurt to be up to 55 meters point on because you can always crawl down a little bit and you don't have to aim over and rain if if that's something you don't want to do but yeah because you you dropped what almost a half a target because of the rain. Yeah, it was it was pouring, absolutely pouring. So yeah, I was aiming top of the target to put them in the gold, and I learned that lesson the hard way too, because uh, I had never shot outdoors in the rain like that. And uh, you know, it started pouring, and I shot aiming at the gold. I made no adjustment. I get up to the target, and I see a nice group, like a gold sized group, but down in the two three ring so <laughs> i shot like a, a 20 on that end i've been there done that 
<laughs> yeah, so after that, I learned you, know, you need to aim high in rain. Uh, and depending on you know the rain changing, if it rains harder, you have to aim higher. If it lets up a little bit, I want to take notice and aim a little different. So it's outdoor shooting is it's a totally different animal with the weather sometimes. That's why shooting really high scores is not always in the cards. So something you have to keep in mind with the weather outdoors. Yes, and you guys are correct. And getting back to your original question, not everybody, even with their fingers up against the arrow, can actually reach 50 meters point on with their anchor. We got lots of time aiming in the red, aiming in the blue, aiming in the black. I mean... Uh, Do you yeah. recommend a split finger, if necessary? Well, Over no. aiming off? Split finger is going to take you... Split finger is going to put you a couple of feet over the target. Yeah. Yeah, that's not going to yeah, work. Depending on... Depending on how low you are, three under, slip finger is going to make a drastic difference. I mean, if, oh. if you can't even reach the target at 50 meters, like if, if your point on is maybe 35 meters, 40 mm -hmm. meters, right. then you could try split finger. But if your point on it at 45, split finger is going to put you way, right. way over the target. So then the question, the question is going to be, and I think we're going to hear, people are going to want to know, and I think you'll find that high 20 range uh, draw weight short draw length, maybe 27 and below shooter that's going to experience that. So what what is your first step then to to try to get them as close to a point on, on middle of, as possible without having to aim 6 or 10 feet above the target? First, I would say try to up your draw weight. It's going to help you in wind. Um, you're going to be shooting a heavier arrow. But if you can't, like you're absolutely stuck at a low draw weight, you need to optimize your arrow setup, get a light arrow like a, a Victory VAP, um, a McKinney 2 like Rick shoots. Cut it as short as you can. Use a relatively light point, small veins, fleshed straight. You need to completely optimize that arrow setup for distance. Um, if, if that doesn't get you to 50 meters, you might just have to aim high. Um, you can also play with your anchor, lower it down a little bit. If you shoot that low of a draw weight, you just have to understand you're putting yourself at a disadvantage. Right. And you're going to have to make compromises somewhere else. Shooting an, an extremely light arrow, changing your anchor, something like that. It, it's not going to be ideal. There's, there's no way around it. 28 pounds is just, it, it's not ideal for shooting 50 meters. Yeah, they're going to be lobbing like crazy. Yeah, you're done. I mean, you can you can get there, but you're not going to be optimized. Like if if John were shooting 38 pounds and I was shooting 28 pounds, he would clean my clock. That's just oh, the way it's going to be. Especially if, shooters. Especially if wind comes around or rain or something oh. less ideal, it's really going to hurt. <laughs> Getting six arrows on the target is going to be a challenge for some for some people. Yeah. Now, I don't want to sound too discouraging. You can do it. It can be done, but it's try to increase your draw weight. It would be my first message. Work at it. Do some draw holds. Put some more reps in. But if you absolutely can't go up and draw weight, uh, consider moving your anchor, optimizing your arrow setup. Or in extreme cases where your point on going 35 meters, 
go to split finger, keep the same anchor. Hey, Rick, out of curiosity, Claire, uh, one of your students, is a very petite woman. Uh, what what draw weight does she shoot for 50 meters? Oh, she's tough. She's about 34 pounds, I believe. Oh, nice. 34 pounds on a very small frame. Uh, she's yeah. got about 34 pounds off, off her uh off her fingers. She's a, uh, she's a tough little girl. She may not look like it, but she's pretty tough. <laughs> yeah. I think if for a female, if they can get around 35 pounds off the fingers, that's really going to be beneficial as opposed oh, yeah. to the high twenties or around 30. Yeah. She doesn't have any problem with point on with her setup. But we had to go to small arrows for her 10 fifties. What arrow is she shooting? 1050 McKinney. Okay, so they're they're pretty light. Does she have them cut short? Right. We, we tried a we tried a 900, just way too stiff, way too stiff. What point weight, Rick? Boy, now you have to get me. Now you have to go to looking at my book. <laughs> I'm gonna say. Just guess. Give 80. us a ballpark. 80. Your, I'm gonna say your, 80 or 90. Your Did you say your book or your scroll? <laughs> <laughs> Man, you guys are tough. <laughs> holy cow! Listen, Rick, don't don't act surprised. Be, uh, you want to be surprised? Be surprised that we're fifty minutes in in this conversation, and the first old joke just came now. <laughs> I have one, but I held back. Oh, oh, that was that was great earlier this year when the two of them ganged up on me. <laughs> when do they not gang up on you? People brought up that uh, trophy in Cincinnati and I just sat back and I go, thank you people. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Well, I think Rick should be safe because he's past all the at-risk ages. They don't even have a, you know, a group for him. (laughs) Oh, man. (laughs) Two more months and I'll be 70. Nice. I, I feel pretty good. Yeah, I feel real good. So how many years have you been shooting archery, Rick? I shot my first deer when I was 16. I didn't compete, actually, until I was 21. I had a couple breaks here and there, so. Yeah. Oh, 50 years, wow. 50 That's incredible. Years, That's incredible, man. <laughs> it's pretty awesome when you think about it. I hope I can still shoot, pull a bow back when I'm 70 years old, but... Um, so that's then next year, right? Yeah, yeah, that that's long. next year. Yeah, that's what it is. Um, all right, we're gonna move on to the next question here, and this is some guy named Matt Zernzak. I don't, I don't know if I've ever heard of him. He's he says, "What is a good competitive score? What scores do you need to achieve in practice um, to have shot or sh- the shoot offs for the U.S. Open in 2020?" So, what do you consider? Let's just go overall. Like, what do you? Would you guys say is a good score for the 50 meter game, like a, an elite level score, a good score, and then like, um, an, I don't know how you want to delineate it. Well, it's it's tough because if you're gonna, what might be good for you might not be good for me. Right. Yeah. Our, all relative. Our, yeah. I think if you want to go a good, let's say, say a good goal is 50 per end. Yeah, that'd be a good no, goal. I don't like that. Yes. <laughs> uh, Damn. 
What do you mean? <laughs> Hitting six hundred is can be tough. I'd yeah. say that's that's a really good score, especially outdoors and uncertainty. Yeah, okay. I think six hundred is a good benchmark score for a lot of people. I really do. What was it? You said six hundred. Yeah, yeah. six hundred is a that, good benchmark. That's what I said. Fifty and end. Yep. Uh, elite, probably six forty plus, on the upper end. Um, yep. Yeah. I think uh, if you're if you're shooting 640, you're probably practicing. If you shoot 640 at a shoot, you're probably practicing 650, 655, somewhere around there. Yep, that sounds right. That's about right. Yeah, yeah, 640 is a a really good tournament score. I think I don't think many people have shot that here in the states or even across the entire world. It's a relatively new round, so 640 would be a very, very good score for almost anybody. I think um, the the Swedish national record is 655, maybe, and they, that's stood for a few years over there. And they have some incredible shooters. Yeah, Bob, Bobby Lawson. An idea. Yeah, oh, Bobby Larson shot that. Uh, probably, it's been a little while now. Probably, yeah, six eight years. Yeah, I think um, with with the way things are going and the 50 meter round becoming a you know, standard round with world archery, you can look to see that improve. You know, in Sweden, I, I don't see any reason why some of those guys can't shoot 660s. Yeah, I think so. Get Eric on a hot day, or if Frederick plays a little bit, he's Frederick's a wild card because he shoots extreme poundage. Um, yeah. Yeah, very, gosh, he could probably get point on 70 meters if he wanted. <laughs> probably. Crawl at 50. <laughs> so, do, yeah, uh, Frederick, Eric, Martin, you know, and then a host of others that they have over there. No problem shooting 650, 660, I don't think. So you're, you're, you're definitely looking at 650 and above for, like, elite level, or do you think 640 would be considered U.S. Open? you know, the higher, higher, highest of the high, top five, top six, top eight, whatever you want to take. 650? I would say 640 is like a, 640 is like a 550 indoor score, probably. Okay. okay. Really, really good. Not a lot of people are going to do it. What do you think, Rick? Mm, to me, the 550 is more difficult than the 640. Okay. Now, for some odd reason. Rick, what's your average outdoor 50-meter score, would you say? Comp- competition score, not practice. Um, if I'm paying attention, I should be over 320. But there'll be times that I might not get 310, or I'll, I'll be over 310. Even on a so-so day, I should stay over 310. So it, it fluctuates between 310 and 320. And then uh, a couple of rounds we've had this year, um, I've been, I hit 330, I think, four different times last year. Two of them happened to be on the same weekend, the weekend that I shot that 1314. Mm-hmm. So uh, it was a good one. I think I think John Demmer and I are the only people that shot over 1300 so far. 
Yeah, we just got to keep Grayson from shooting. <laughs> <laughs> so, Rick, you say you average around 630, 640 at a tournament? 630, 640, yes. Okay. Yeah, I think that's that's really good. Yeah, especially for, like, to say that's Trying to get average. that nine average. Nine average. That'd be 1296. It'd be just a hair short of 13. Well, nine average is tough. Nine, nine average outdoors is tougher than the nine average indoors. Now, you guys can do nine, nine average all the time. That's my goal indoors is nine average. I would it, say, I don't know, nine average is probably easier indoor. Yeah, I would say so. Uh, just with just with the, uh, the uncertainty of weather, even if yeah. you get like a four mile an hour breeze on yeah. one arrow, and then you yeah. don't get it on the next arrow, yeah, um, it's yeah. enough to bleed a point here and there all day. Yeah, conditions do play a huge role in in that. Um, all right, no, I think we pretty much covered that for Matt. Thanks for submitting that, Matt. Matt Zernzak from the post. Uh, one thing we could do is uh, speak on female scores. That's okay. They're going to be just a little bit different, especially with the lower draw weight. All what right. do you guys think is a good female score? I would change elite to pushing 600. What has Claire shot, so, Rick? What kind of scores has Claire is, shot in the 50 meter? She game? has hit 320 several times. So yeah, 640, she's one of, so 630. She's one of our elite shooters. Yeah. yeah. Uh, she's one of our elite. She's probably one of the – I mean, I, I don't want to put pressure on her or anything, but she's probably one of the, the better ones in the world for 50 meters. Probably so, yeah. So, like, a, if 640 is really, really good for men, I would say 610 to 620 is really, really good for a, a female. And then 660s or 670 is maybe like the high of high end for males, maybe 640 for female, is my guess. Sounds about right. You know, and there's no, I think there's a correlation there with Clara being able to shoot that higher weight. Um, you know, her arrows are probably flying pretty fast with the 1050, but she's shooting 34 pounds. That's, you know. Yeah, they're pretty snappy. I would yeah. say they're at least. Uh, they're around 180 feet a second. Yeah, and that would, would be so. Fawn would would also because Fawn shoots a pretty high weight too, right? Uh, yeah, I, I think mid mid to upper 30s, like 36, 37, yeah, 35, somewhere around there. So there's going to be some benefit to that. It's more reason for uh, female shooters to work on that strength and try to hit that 32 pound plus mark. You know, it's going to yeah, help they, them if they make. If they make sure yeah, they're they should. I mean, good. yeah, look how small she is, and she's strong. And I know yeah. a lot of ladies around here that are fairly good-sized ladies that not shooting that kind of weight. Right. Yeah, a lot of that comes down to fundamentals and how strong their form is and how right. biometrically stable they are. Right. Right. Uh, another question we have is from Lindsay Marion. She said that at 50 meters, I'm aiming in the trees. Obviously, we don't know how high that is. Is there anything I, I could do different anchor, perhaps, to help you get on more target? Now, I know we kind of already talked about this, so I'll just quick rehash some of it. But for Lindsay, I mean, she's aiming in the trees. Grace, and you said 
we'll do whatever you can to crank up that weight. Obviously, to the not to the point where you, you can't deal with a target panic because you have to throw that in there too. You can't just throw on if you're shooting twenty eight pound limbs, you can't throw on uh, a thirty six pound limb and think you're going to just be able to deal with it. You're going to have to work up to that weight. So if you yeah, can get to thirty two from twenty eight or thirty six from thirty two or you know thirty thirty from twenty five, I mean that's that's a big jump. Yeah, I think two pound increments at a time is is good. Work your way into it. Don't hurt yourself and don't make yourself uncomfortable. And then look but at cutting, cutting your arrows. Work. <laughs> Do what? Look at your tune then on your arrows. If you can, if you're able to slowly take back on your arrows and then adjust your point weight to continue to keep your tune to be able to get that point on or at least somewhere near the target preferably on the the timing if you're aiming that high yeah um i mean you're going to need to completely rethink your arrow configuration so cutting and then adding point weight that's that's not going to be you know good you're going to need a weaker spine that you can cut as short as possible Mm -hmm. and lighten the point weight as well Sophia Hickerson has had a very light bow, and she went with uh, under the, actually under the jawline. She shot like a recurve shooter to be able to hit the target at distance. Which yeah, I think Laura yeah, I mean, Hughes can, does the same thing. change. Go ahead, John. I think Laura Hughes does the same thing to hit 50 meters. She has an Olympic anchor. Um, some women just have shorter draw lengths. Um, their face maybe a maybe a uh, not as long as a face, so everything is a little bit higher up. So I know some of them, like Sophia and Laura, have to anchor underneath the underneath the chin like an Olympic shooter. Yeah, and there's nothing wrong with lowering your anchor if you're comfortable with it. It may take some time to get used to, but a lower anchor is not a bad thing. And there's so many things on your face that you can use as reference points. Uh, you just have to get used to it, um, give it, and give it a good solid effort. Um, it's not a a one day thing. It's going to be probably a week or two before you finally get comfortable and figure out okay, what exactly on your face can you use in that particular spot? Yeah, and if you're shooting a low draw weight, you just have to understand that it's it's not going to be easy. You are going to have to make some changes. You know split finger, a lower anchor, moving up to higher weights, or changing your arrow, or some combination of a few of those things. You're going to have to change something. You yeah, can't just keep sure. shooting and, you know, saying, oh, I can never get point on 50 meters. You, you just have to change something. You have to work at it. Yeah. Yeah, I think, and just to interject on that specific point, if you do, if you're finding that you can't get point on or you can't even get on the target, I'm sure if you post it in our in our Faribault Project group, somebody like Rick or or one of you two or myself can at least get you steered in the right direction to make sure that that you are able to make progress. Uh, Paul Helms, we kind of already uh, answered this, but you know, Paul said, "What's typical setup for 50 meter point on look like?" We kind of talked about with between everybody's setups both set up in arrows what's the lightest limbs you've used to achieve this and do you lean toward a heavier set you know and we we kind of already touched upon all of those details so paul if you when you listen um we 
I don't know. I mean, I know you guys all know of Paul. He's a good dude. Yeah. He he's recovering right now. He had major surgery, um, so I know he's shooting some light weight, but he's kind of sticking to bare bow because it's a little easier on the body than shooting, you know, straight trad or longbow and and stuff like that. So he's, you know, kind of dedicated to bare bow right now. And and Paul, if you um, if you do listen, I think we kind of covered what the basis is of what you got to do to get that. You may have to drop the spine on, on the arrows that you had from before um, to get a proper tune for 50 meters. I don't know what weight he's shooting. Shooting. Uh, let me see. I think he's shooting 32 pounds right now. Okay. I talked to him a little bit in private message. Um, and the, what he's working with right now is about 32 pounds. And you might be able to get point on with that depending on your anchor and arrow setup. Um not with the you have to the anchor setup he has, Grayson is six hundred spine black eagle zombie, zombie slayers with a hundred grain tip. I don't, you're not going to get point on with that. Yeah, you have to. You just have to drop anchor. Though. If if he wants to stick with that weight for a little while while he's recovering, he's definitely going to have to go low on the anchor. Um, possibly under the, yeah, possibly under the chin because he's he's got a short draw. He's probably. 26 and a half, 27 at most. Yeah, yeah that's what I was going to say because he's only what five foot tall. <laughs> Everybody looks five foot tall to you, Rick, except for me. Um, well, I, you know, the other option there for Paul is to try to find a, a smaller diameter. Um, what's the what's a what's... zombie slayers got to be pretty heavy? Is that what you said he's shooting? Yeah, they are yeah, relatively they're not heavy. Light. They're a good in, indoor. Like a, an X Impact or a Zap yeah. or a 3D HV or Nano Pro Extreme, something like that. Yeah. Even the Carbon Infinity Express Dude. Nano, that one point uh, one six six, that something like that would work, you know, to help to help get him so, going. Something, yeah, I would I would err on the cheap, especially if he's going to keep what pumping I was up thinking. and weight down the road. Yep. Yeah. Those Nanos are cheap. hundred and some bucks Ooh. for shafts. Yeah, the one six sixes are like, yeah, around a hundred bucks. You, I, I looked on the Faradine site not too long ago, and they had a special running on them for like forty bucks for six fletched. Um, I don't know if that's still going on or not, but yeah, they were running a really good deal for a little yeah. while. Well, so, Paul, that might be your best bet there in your situation because we know you're not going to stay at that weight. You can change your anchor point or. You know, make a small investment in some lighter uh, grains per inch arrows that you'll be able to achieve that point on with a lighter tip weight then. Um, For sure. So uh, let's see what else we got here. Oh, and then, you know, Matt is nerding out, as he likes to say. Um, He's asking for error recommendations, error recipe, draw weight, and why. Uh, kind of did that for the most part with our yeah. steps. Yeah, we um, did. looking for? He said he's just he's looking for some specifics about arrow recommendations and like arrow recipes and like and how they correlate to draw weight. We've touched upon it multiple times, even just with talking about um, pulse setup. You know, explaining you want to find that arrow that's yeah. got a low GPI to be able to get that point on. You know, so you're um, you're. What are what are the brands lighter GPI arrow? Yeah, just the Victory Zaps. They're 
very light and affordable. Um, if you want like a, a premium arrow, the Carbon Express Nano Pro Extremes are still relatively light mm-hmm. and you know, very thin. Uh, as far as arrow recipes, I mean, you want for me personally, I want to leave it as long as I can. Mm-hmm. Um, but you can only leave it so long and still be able to get point on. Uh, I prefer over 100 grains of point weight, 100 or, or more, just for, you know, more FOC. It helps in the wind a little bit, I think. Uh, not necessary, but preferably. Um, small veins in the back. I don't know what else. What else do you want to know about? I mean, that's pretty much it. He's looking for a recommend- arrow recommendation. So if we ran through the popular arrow brands rick you can you can kind of elaborate on the mckinney's because i'm not i know i'm not familiar with those you know what's the what's the outdoor arrow for the mckinney brand are they all a micro diameter you know five six they're all they're all one six six all one and uh mckinney arrows i mean there's a really good all carbon arrow that you can get for two hundred dollars that's a mckinney two correct ct2 yeah yeah yeah, I don't yeah, think the you can... are pretty good. They're not terribly expensive. They're no. really light. Maybe the lightest that you can get. Um, there's also Victory Vaps, which right. are fairly inexpensive. They come in the V1, V3s, and V6s. V6s are probably very affordable. Uh, they also make the 3DHV, which is super light, but it's a little bigger diameter. Uh, Black Eagle X Impacts are similar to Vaps. They also have weight. the uh, Revelation. Yeah, that's the new arrow. Yeah. They're like a five point nine GPI for that five point eight, five point nine GPI between the five, six, seven hundred spine and then they go all the way down to a five point four GPI on the X impacts. That's I was just And then um Carbon Express has the nano SSTs which are very thin but they're a little heavier. Uh somebody like me or John or Rick would probably get point on at fifty meters. Um if you know if you're shooting thirty eight pounds or so you you probably could. If somebody's shooting lighter draw weight, probably not going to work for them. And then obviously the Nano Pro Extremes are their high end. Uh, Easton ACEs, they're you know pretty light, pretty thin. I think that's probably most of. That's probably the most I would consider for fifty meters. Yeah, that's our, probably our most common ones that you see out there. The real, yeah. the real good thing about barebow shooting versus recurve is. The length of the arrow is, is usually not a problem. The recurve, you have to really do some maneuvering to be able to get it on your clicker. So that's yeah. the fun part about barebow shooting. You can have a long arrow and cut it if you need it, and you don't have to worry about trying to get it through the clicker on your bow. So that's that's the nice thing I like about barebow shooting. The length of the arrow is whatever you need it to be. Yeah, you can set it up for whatever your setup is. So I I didn't realize that's probably the one thing that was profound to me when I finally started to understand a little bit of the tuning side is there's actually a lot of options. You know, when you figure out what your form and what your style is and what the way you like to anchor, you know, if you don't want to crawl real far or if you're okay with a crawl and you want to go super, super light, I mean, look at, what did you say John Jarrett Kellen is shooting for a 50-meter, or Grayson for a 50-meter setup? He's shooting really light. Is he shooting like 31 or 32? I was looking at something on Facebook. 
That's Jarrett. Um, Jarrett Kellen. Was he? Oh, yeah, shooting, uh, I think he said 32 pounds. Yeah, sounds about right. Yeah, uh, he was he was grouping very well from what what he showed me. Um, I, I still think it's that's less than ideal draw weight. Um, I'm sure he'll be able to shoot it very well because he's a good shooter, but he may suffer a little bit more in wind than somebody like you know John or Rick would. Yeah. Do you remember what arrow he had? Uh, I don't. He had fatter ones. He had had fatter ones. Didn't he have uh, RZs? I thought thought they were... I'm not sure. It might have been VAPS, but I don't know. Just to give an example of somebody at 32 pounds, you know, it's doable. It's just... It's all in the arrow setup and how you you choose to to shoot it. Mike Wilson, uh, I don't know if you're looking that up, Grayson. That's fine. Mike Wilson asks, "What's your practice regime for getting ready for 50 meter tournaments?" Um, you know, we talk about the draw holds and doing. We talked about a ton of drills in the last podcast, um, which didn't come out quite yet, Rick. Just so you know, it was just yesterday. But what 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 do you do, Rick? What is your regime to get ready for a fifty meter game? Or I mean, you kind of shoot it all year long, so you're definitely at a bit of an advantage. Um, you well, know. we we do. I can get twenty meters in my backyard. So the buffalo is forty five miles away. It's going to take me over an hour, and I'm I'm not driving up there more than twice a week. Right. So I can get a lot done in my backyard just shooting at 18 and 20 meters, just working on my shot, working on my routine. And to me, indoor shooting is probably as good as you can get as far as your setup and working on your shot. And then I'll drive up there twice a week to, uh, to shoot distance. Uh, we're fortunate down here. We have what they call a hot and cold during the winter. Once per month, we get together up there and we shoot uh, 72 arrows at 50 meters. It's called hot and cold, H-O-T, Houston Outdoor Target. And obviously cold doesn't always get that cold, <laughs> but it can get chilly down here as well. So we get to shoot outdoors in a tournament once a month over the winter time. Um, and I may not go up there for a couple of, of, of weeks to get ready for that. I'll just shoot and concentrate on the indoor season. Okay. How or, about... or the weather breaking, uh, weather breaking. I've been up there a couple of times a week. Nice. We, we don't have the luxury to, to get the outside quite as early we can probably just start getting out this time of the year normally up here in pa and the northern new england area what about you they're calling for they're calling for a blizzard tomorrow i know i saw (laughs) pennsylvania the state where you get all four seasons in full and sometimes even in the spring we get winter in a week in a week literally in a week you're right it was 70 degrees on friday last friday and here we're at snow tomorrow um yeah our four seasons down here is hot, 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 and Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> Grayson, what do you do? What do you do to get ready for the 50-meter game? What's your, you know, what's your, how do you attack it? 
He's usually but, kayaking, isn't he? Yeah, I mean, I, <laughs> once I find a setup that'll get me point on and tune very well, I don't mess with it. And I, you know, I know if, if I shoot good shots, it's just going to go in the gold. So, and I don't tinker with it. I don't really need to go to the range and shoot it a lot. You know, I might not shoot for at a range for weeks at a time. Yeah. Um, if if I just you know maybe two nights before a tournament or something, I'll shoot in the basement a little bit, just you know, fifteen twenty shots, and then I, I'll go to a tournament and you know we get the couple practice ends and I'm good to go. But um, yeah, ideally I would like to get to the range once a week. I don't always because I'm lazy or doing something else. But yeah. If you really wanted to to work hard at it, I would say shoot at home when you can't get to the range. Do something similar to what Rick, you know, suggested: shooting 20 meters, but with your 50 meter hook. Um, you can even do that inside at you know three meters in your basement. Right. Use your 50 meter hook and aim low, and let the arrows impact where they will, just so you get that feel of of the same hook. Um, try to get to the range a couple times a week. Um, and score, score your, your rounds. Don't, uh, you don't want to be scared by the, the score when you get to a tournament. Know, know what you score. Don't be afraid to put a value to the arrow. Don't put too much emphasis on it, but, you know, know what you're averaging, yeah. I would say. Yeah, definitely. John, how about yourself? Uh, once I find a setup, I'm like Grayson, just, um, Outdoor 50 meters is a little bit different. I'll play with 3D and stuff because uh, it's, it's easier to find a good tune 3D. Yeah. Or it's easier to play around 3D because uh, I can shoot in the backyard. I can shoot it pretty much wherever, and I can play with tune. Right. But for 50 meters, it's I know my I know what I want in my arrow. I want it to be like ideally an inch longer than my riser, somewhere around there. Inch two inches is fine. <clears throat> And once I find that tune and I shoot a couple rounds with it and if it's scores really well, then that's it. I don't, I don't mess with my equipment anymore. It stays right there. I think I shot the same setup all year last year. Um, if I got a tournament coming up, I'll shoot probably three scored rounds a week. Uh, I'll try to do it once, a once every other day. Um, if I got time, I'll do that probably 80 arrows for that day. I'll shoot like a couple practice ends and then shoot a scoring round and then that'll be it. And I'll try to do that, like I said, three times a week. Um, if I got nothing coming up, I might shoot. I might not. Um, but the intensity does increase a little bit if something's coming right up. Yeah, it's, I think that's same for me. I mean, I only sh- I might shoot 50 meters once a week if I'm lucky because of the nature of my schedule, well, not right now, but normally having to open um, Grass Hollow Archery and then not being able to go outside because I'm the only person here, I can thankfully shoot almost 40 meters inside my shop. So I can shoot, if I can shoot 40 meters, I'll take that 40 meter practice over, you know, just shooting at 18 meters the entire time. Um, oh, that's wonderful! No it, kidding, it, that that's excellent. It's nice, yeah, but it's not. He's a cheater. Yeah, I <laughs> I wish. I mean, it benefits me a ton in indoor season. There's no question. I get to shoot more arrows than most, and 
it may only be 15 arrows here. These guys, Rick, were busting on me. They're like, do you ever shoot a full round? I'm like, no, because if a customer comes in, I have to stop shooting and do what I need to do. Or if I have a kid coming in for a private lesson or whatever, kids are coming in for practice, I just steal a half hour of shooting where I can um, and just try to make as much use out of that half hour as I can. So, you know, and that's why I rely a lot on like shooting three meters and 30 X's and shooting blind bail and stuff like that because I can get more arrows in when I'm only shooting three, five, 10 meters than I can at 18. And so, it, you know, but that's, you know, going for quality versus quantity at times, you just got to, you got to make the best of what you got. I have a really good setup, but at the same time, I can't get away to go to a gabillion tournaments or even get out necessarily to shoot 50 meters. So, um, you know, I don't shoot 50 meters all, all summer long. I might shoot once a week or I might not shoot it at all if there's no tournaments coming. And then four weeks out from a tournament is when I ramp everything up. And I, I mean, I know people have heard me talk about it before, but I believe in the periodization thing. It's, it's, I, I ramp up four weeks out and then, you know, week, well, actually even five weeks out and then week five, week four, real high volume, week three, lower volume. And then to the point where the last week and I, it's, I, the volume is probably cut by 75% and I'm just concentrating on the important things and making sure the shot still feels good and that my tune is still right. And that's it. But, you know, I only shot local 50 meter tournaments last year. This year, I don't plan to do that. I plan to to shoot, um, some bigger stuff. So, you know, we'll see how it goes. Um, I mean, it's just everybody, it's none of us are paid professionals. We can't just shoot archery full time all the time, unless you're retired like Rick, but you know, I can (laughs) (laughs) good for you, man. You earned it. So it's all good. Uh, Yeah. But just keep in mind now, I mean, everybody can say, Oh, how lucky Rick Stonebreaker is. He's retired and do what he wants. You guys are going to see a whole lot more sunrises and sunsets than I am. Okay? So keep that in perspective. (laughs) You guys are luckier than I am. (laughs) You're going to be around longer than me. (laughs) Oh, man. You're not slowing up anytime soon. Yeah, I'm not making it to 70. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, when you guys were talking about practicing, about getting – sounds like some of you guys don't get to practice as much as you'd like to uh we had a new shop open up just four miles from my house mm-hmm. so they have a uh a blue and white face league on tuesday nights that i shoot in so i get to score and on thursday nights at joe ed over at x10 we shoot over there and so in the indoor season when things started really cranking up I was actually getting two scores a week. And that, to me, makes a huge difference. For sure. Huge difference. And with the way the guys shoot over at X10, uh, on and Joe and Craig, um, after we shoot our 30-meter score, we used to shoot elimination rounds to get ready for Lancaster. And then uh, elimination rounds kind of, once you're out, you're kind of out. So we did something different this past year where we would shoot five arrows, low man sits out, and you'd kind of just work your way up to the top. Nice. But uh, after that first guy drops out, he only has to wait one end until the next guy drops out. 
then he challenges them and the winner keeps going. So get a whole lot more of uh, competition to get ready places like Lancaster. So usually starting in November and December, we start doing that just to get ready for something like Lancaster gets everybody geared up to shoot in that tight spot. So we get pretty lucky down here when we do it that way. Yeah, that's really good. Um, well, let me see what the, I just lost it too. John, John Lewis had an excellent question. <laughs> I knew you were going to bring that up. <laughs> that's possible. <laughs> it is. Wait, do you, wait, do you hear it? <laughs> okay. Go you ahead. got it, Frank? No, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> you say it. Uh, our lovely neighbor from up north, John Lewis. Will Dilly ever win a shoot off? <laughs> oh, that's cold, man. <laughs> oh, wow. We did in Lancaster. I was just going to say. <laughs> this is for oh, 50 yeah. meters. This is for 50 meters. We don't, we don't talk oh. about Lancaster anymore. <laughs> well, wait a second. Dilly did in Ohio. He beat he, in the finals for 50 meters. So, yes, he won a shoot off indoors and outdoors. That was like that was like six years ago, Rick. That doesn't matter anymore. <laughs> no, he's, he's he's a good shooter. You don't you, you really don't want to face. Well, you do want to face him, but you don't. He's a he's a very tough adversary. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. It, I think that's the year he knocked both you and me out, Rick. In Ohio. That's correct. If I remember that, yep. Un, unfondly. <laughs> there is a question there, not to not that I don't want to talk about Dilly, but there is a question there that's one we should probably talk about, and it's uh, uh, Terrence uh, Pascal asks, how do you deal with the wind? Remember in the U.S. Open, it was incredibly windy, and I can't imagine how you even practice, let alone shoot a competition like that. You know, what do you – what is your – if you are in the middle of a tournament and um, – you know, you have a, a a pretty good gusty. Say it. Let's go. Just well. I mean, obviously, a steady wind that is difficult to hold point on. What do you do? Well, uh, it was what about four years ago, Rick, that we had that. Yes. Six, sixteen to eighteen mile an hour side wind all day. Yep, that second day. Um, yep. So I don't know what your approach was. My approach was a little bit different than what some people would do. Um, some people aim off. I actually kept my aim on. I just canted into the wind. Really? Uh, yeah. That's one way. Yeah. Yep. Yep. I don't like aiming off too much. Um, actually what I did is I went back and, uh, took my 34 pound limbs off and put my 36 pounds off and kind of pushed my way through the wind. Hmm. I knew my tune was going to be off a little bit, but there was a time where two, three pounds more bow weight pushed that arrow through. Well, that that wind, I remember some people were aiming on other bales. Oh, it, it was, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, um, yeah. But that, that was definitely a good, good yeah. thing for me because uh, I was shooting like 42, 43 pounds. Right. I was shooting a very skinny arrow. Um, right. If if I held my bow vertical, I was aiming eight ring, but yep. all I had to do was put a little bit of lean in, and I was fine. Hmm. Um, 
that was where an arrow recipe for me uh, was absolutely perfect um, because these are the situations that I try to anticipate. Um, some people showed up with feathers shooting 50 meters. That's a very, very risky thing to do. And th they were aiming bales. They were aiming a full bale over, if not more. And it wasn't steady either. When you get a steady strong wind, you can pretty much kind of ignore it of sorts. But yeah, there wasn't anything steady about that. I mean, that, was, that one it was, time you came and on, and all of a sudden, it was you're over in that black and just hoping you're yeah. hanging on to that arrow and start over. Yeah, yeah it was a steady down. six. It was a steady 16 with gusts. Um, it can make it very tricky. Uh, for regular wind, you know, you just got to pay attention to your surroundings. Uh, four, six, eight mile an hour wind, you don't have to aim as far off, but you have to pay attention. Um, usually something like that with my recipe, um, edge of the gold, one side or the other. Um, yeah, it's a, that's... That's how I approach it. Just pay attention to your flag. And if your flag's blowing to the right, you aim, you know, to the left a little bit. If it's blowing really hard to the right, then you aim more to the left. Um, that's usually how most people do it. Was you have to learn your specific setup. So somebody shooting a, a faster, you know, arrow that's thinner with smaller veins, you're not going to have to aim off quite as much. For shooting lower weight, a bigger arrow, bigger veins, you're gonna have to aim off more. So just get out and practice in it as much as you can, so you can get a better feel for. Okay, the flag looks like it's really moving. I should probably aim, you know, pretty far off. Yeah, don't don't shy away on when the weather kicks up. For practice, yeah I, was gonna, yeah. I was just gonna say, Rick, when you were you know shooting a lot of Olympic stuff and you were kind of serious, if if you had a a good day where it was nice out, but you had eight mile an hour wind or maybe a, a light rain or even a heavy rain. I'm sure you went out there and practice it to figure out what you have to do in those conditions. Yes. Well, I don't think anybody ever goes out into that to practice it, but there's times that you're practicing on a particular day and the wind does kick up or it does start raining. You don't leave the range. <laughs> and even if you don't have your foul weather gear, just stay there and get soaked if you have to, but just keep shooting, you know. Yeah. There's uh, yeah, if it's pouring rain out, I probably won't go out and shoot in it. But if I'm practicing and it starts raining, I'm like, I won't stop. I'll just keep on practicing. There was there was times uh, a couple of years ago where it was absolutely pouring rain here. Um, and I mean pouring rain maybe an inch an hour half inch an hour, somewhere around there. Um, I put on my rain gear because I know there's going to be at some point in time, at some point in my archery, I'm going to have to shoot in my rain gear. Yeah. So I yep. put my rain gear on. I went out there and I shot a few ends. I didn't sit there and you know practice for hours, but right. I got an idea of what I had to do. If my rain gear was a problem, if I had to adjust my rain gear, um, if I had to get a different sleeve for the rain, for the rain jacket, or if I had to buy a different rain jacket, um, stuff like that. It, it's interesting to see what what you're wearing also affects how you're shooting too because your your form might change a little bit because now you're in a little bit bulkier clothing or oh yeah you're right when you got four layers on sometimes it's a, it feels a little bit uncomfortable but yeah that's what we're trying to say is just get out there and practice it figure it out 
Right. Um, and put that in the memory bank. Yep, that's just part of shooting outdoors, dealing with the elements. Be used to it. Uh, learn how to do it in practice in smaller tournaments so you're more prepared when you come to a bigger tournament. There's one more, and it's my beginner adult will start working up 50 meters when we go back to practice. They're using a beginner bow with just a stick-on rest and club arrows. <laughs> well, that's going to be tough. Other than knock adjustments, what other tuning methods can I apply from Jenny Dut- from Jenny Dutton. That's that's going to be tough. Yeah, that's going to be tough with club especially arrows. If yeah, especially if they're using. Uh, they don't say it, but if they're using club bows and club arrows, yep, it's going to be tough. If you have and to my... use that bow, I would go. I would go buy Easton Inspires and throw in fifty grain or the seventy grain tips, and because they're super inexpensive, they still get the job done. And uh, at least throw a cheap plunger on that thing just to help steady that arrow on the plastic rest. I don't know if it's just a Hoyt super rest or, or what that that rest is, but at least to give a little bit of a, a lighter the lighter arrow will give it a chance to get there, and um, you know, and a plunger at least helps give some finite adjustment at the riser, you know, at a at a minimum. Um, I don't know. That's going to be a tough one though, Jenny. You now, does she want to shoot? Does she still want to shoot barebow? Does she still want to shoot barebow? I guess so. Yeah, when you're talking about club bow and club arrows at 50 meters. Yeah, yeah, that's what she's planning. That's by the sounds of it. All right. All right. You know, I don't know if it's like a a samic, you know, and they're if it's a wood riser. Does is it say it's a wood riser? No, it doesn't. It could be just a cheap, you know cast ILF bow I have no idea what that is I don't have those details but my guess is okay. is knowing what go ahead go ahead what you're going to say no I, w- I was thinking somewhere on a different line yeah. when you have a beginner sometimes and they want to shoot something like that I'll take uh, take a matchstick or a toothpick and put a piece of tape and put a sight on on it and just let them shoot yeah so they can hit I'm wondering though if this isn't a they're not gonna they're not trying to get into competition, Rick. Just because if it's it's an adult working on fifty meters, I mean if you're just a beginner and you're shooting fifty meters, I gotta think there there's either an interest there, at least from what I see and the people that come in and out of my my, my facility, there's an interest right. to shoot the the competition style or I mean, if they're just messing around, I don't, I don't know. I know I wouldn't. Uh... Uh, one question there that says uh, tips for how to keep consistent pressure to reach the target every time. No, oh, I, I probably didn't refresh it and see that one. Okay. Um. So for me, indoor and outdoor, I, my form will be slightly different. Indoor is a little more relaxed. Outdoor is a little bit more aggressive. Uh, a little more like max back tension, so to speak. So I'll pull into it a little bit harder and try to maintain that. Um, where indoor is just not quite as expanded, a little bit more relaxed. Indoor, you can get away with a little bit more play. Like if you shoot a weak shot, you know it might still be bottom of the gold. At 50 meters, if you shoot a weak shot, you know you might be down in the blue or black ring. 
So I, I try to keep, you know, as much back tension or more, more expanded. Maybe I, I don't know the best way to word it, but just more, more expanded, more aggressive throughout the whole shot, shooting at 50 meters. Stay engaged in the shot longer. You know, maybe that's a way. I know um, Dillinger, um, Dillinger yeah, mentioned something like that with his indoor game. He was imagining, you know, what his follow-through was like with 50 meters and staying in, in the follow-through longer. So, like, mentally staying into the shot longer, maybe more more um, dedicated, I think. Go ahead, John. What were you going to say? Uh, yeah, I'm I'm with Grayson. I, uh, I put a little bit more pressure. I put a smidge more forward pressure. And I definitely push closer to max draw um, because I know if I do that, there's less likely to like likelihood to creep. I don't shoot nearly as tight groups indoors that way, but outdoors it's, it definitely works out way better for me. Um, so I, I, I'm more aggressive on my shot, more, more expanded. Um, I mean, I'm not, I'm not throwing my bow arm in any everywhere, Right, but there's just a smidge more directional push towards the target, mm-hmm. and there's def- my follow through is definitely a little bit more um, aggressive. It's still not, you know, whipping it around my neck or anything, but it's definitely uh, a little bit stronger. So that's what I focus on uh, when it comes to outdoor shooting, so I can get a little bit more consistency. Make a soft like if you make a soft shot. Really low, but if you make a soft shot in wind or rain or whatever, it's going to be even magnified even more. Right. Okay. Rick, how about you? Uh, mine's pretty much the same. The whole indoor and outdoor. I don't. I don't change anything. I try to. Everything is pretty much the same. I think we might be similar if we shot. You know somewhere like Texas where we could shoot indoors and outdoors all year round. Yeah. John and I might do something similar, but since there's a, a distinct separation between indoor and outdoor for us, it's it's easy to fall into what uh, what optimizes you for indoor and what optimizes you for outdoor. Would you agree with that, John? Or? Yeah, it's, it's weird. Um, through the years, it, it's weird that one, for me, one style... Uh, of target requires something just a little bit less or a little bit different for me to optimize scores. It's just, it's a weird thing. I probably would have never discovered that for me if, like you said, we shot in uh, a more conducive environment to shoot outside all most of the time. Okay. All right. Good stuff. Well, gentlemen, um, what, I, what I would you like to add? do is, yeah. Um, to recap this for 50 meter shooting, um, just like everything else in, in Baribo, you have to be, sometimes you have to be willing to adapt, to adjust, um, to get either point on or be able to aim on target. Um, if, if you're, if you need a major change to get that arrow to that target and aim in in a reasonable manner, Okay, you're going to have to make an aggressive change. You can't just make little minute changes and expect, you know, a, a huge result. Um, if you're not a target at 50 meters a point on, you're going to have to make major changes. Uh, it's just be open-minded, 
willing to change, adapt to the to the 50 meter game. Um, if you're if you're a point on 30 yard shooter for 3D, and you want to play with the outdoor game, you're probably going to have to make at least one major concession uh, to get to get the desired result. I would second that. You have to be willing to play test the bat. Um, if, if you're point on at 40 meters, cutting an inch off your arrow or, you know, 10 grains of point weight, it's not going to get it done. You're going to have to make some, some drastic changes sometimes. You, you kind of need to go back to the drawing board and, and rethink your whole approach when it comes to the 50 meter game. Yeah, drastic. <clears throat> when Claire was shooting in, indoors last year, she was shooting trad style, so she had big arrows, heavy points, aiming at the bottom of the target. We went outside, and she was aiming pretty close to the top of the target, still shooting r- real well, and just said, if you want to get better, you're going to have to get rid of that indoor setup, and it was a drastic change. Up and bow weight, smaller arrows, to be able to go point on. It was a night and day difference. And that was just going from top of the target to middle of the target, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Big difference. Yeah. That's what people need to hear, though. That's they. They need to know. They need to know these things. I mean, it's kind of the bread and butter of the fifty meter game to know how to get your to get your optimal tune for outdoor. I mean, and that's like the big mystery. I don't want to call it a big mystery, but that's the one thing that people do struggle with so much. I mean, we emphasized in multiple podcasts prior about form, form, form. Like you got to, you can't, you can't really tune a bow to its optimum tune if your form isn't on point. You know, if you can't shoot decent groups, a 50 meter game, that really gets magnified. But at the same time, like you, you can't be aiming 20 feet above the target and expect to shoot 600. It's like it's that's going to be pretty difficult to do at every tournament. And so you got to find a way to make to make it work. At least get your point mm-hmm. on the target and at best case scenario get it in the middle somewhere whatever your preference is. I mean, if you're lollipop in the bottom of the goal, you're putting it in the middle of the target, you know, whatever works best. This is a question that was in a group and Holly Hawk asked, uh, she hears the term lollipop a lot. And for a newbie, she doesn't, she said, as a newbie, she doesn't understand what that means. So if you want to quick tell her what that means. Yeah. Well, I mean, the lollipop for me is bottom of the nine. Uh, my, and again, I'll, I'll reference the, my issue with colors is why I choose that specific location. Um, I tune my crawl specifically for indoor. Um, is the bottom of the nine. I try to do that for outdoor as well for 50 meter, but it doesn't always work out. It really depends on where my setup ends up, but I bring the, the crown of the end of my arrow to meet the bottom of the gold. That's what a lollipop and or six o'clock hold is for me. Do you want to mention why people lollipop? I believe it's because they want to use larger arrows indoors, and if they try to do a point on, it blocks out the whole center. Yeah, I lollipopped with 23 series before, and I switched to the RZs this indoor season thanks to um, John. But and I still continue to lollipop. I don't, 
I don't like a point on at 18 meters. It makes me, I actually aim really, really hard. It's almost like putting the, the sight pin of a compound in the middle of the gold for me. I don't like it. Um, I like being able, I like letting, I like seeing the arrow go. I like seeing the arrow go in the middle and I like, um, the letting it float at the bottom of the nine. So it's, that's a preference thing, I think for everybody in, in, in some yeah, regard. It's, it's what, whatever, whatever works. Um, whether it's a circle covering a circle like Grayson or mm-hmm. a circle underneath a circle and lining up the two circles, um, whatever help, whatever your mind works best at uh, definitely go that way uh, some people like to cover a circle with a circle it just for whatever reason the aim just goes there quicker um, for me a circle underneath a circle the aim just gets there quicker and I can stay more relaxed um, so it's something to play around with and and whatever if you like it that way stick to that approach whatever which way it is yeah, Rick. What do you do? I shot indoors. I shot twenty-one fourteens, and I I basically had to lollipop it. Yeah. No, and here's you can Dilly just going back to a few episodes. Um, John Dillinger was lollipopping pretty much all indoor season. He lollipopped through qualifications at the classic, and then went point on the the day of eliminations or the night before, and then the day of. Uh, eliminations and then stayed point on covering the goal the rest of the way, correct, John? I'm not 100% sure. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure that that's what he did. And if I stand corrected, I'll I'll make mention of it, but um okay. I think he You shoot, he shooting that. VX, you shooting VXTs, so that's like a it's like a 166 arrow. So mm-hmm. if he was aiming center, he just had a little bit of arrow sticking out on both sides of the gold. So it's not it's not that bad. Yeah. Um, a little bit harder if the arrow's really fat. I think he was um, just having some target panic issues, and, and putting the the point on helped secure that a little bit, and then he shot the rest of the indoor season, indoor season that way. But I remember – I know he brought that up during our podcast. But um, but anyway, all right. No, I think, that's good. I think one of the last tips that we could probably give is just get give a good idea. Like if you're – 10 inches away from your desired aim at 50 meters. Um, I know for me and my speed, I'm shooting around 200 to 208 outdoors. It's a fairly decent weighted arrow. I'm shooting around eight grains a pound, seven and a half to eight. I know if I cut 10 grains, I'm going to get about five inches of height on average. Um, if I add one pound, I'm going to get about this five inches so that kind of gives some people a reference um of the change need to happen if i cut arrow length i might get again five inches uh if i cut an inch um so that's that's me i don't know if grayson if you you played around a little bit if you get something similar or uh give people an idea of what a small change actually does uh, probably a little bit less than that. So ten, I don't think ten grains will get me five inches. But that could be just, you know, the way I, the way my head angle is, like arrow length and you know minute grain changes in arrow weight. It doesn't have the same effect. It's 
probably just a little less than five inches. Okay. Same thing with the cutting an inch off the arrow. I would say a little less. But I also think I shoot a a little faster than uh, what you were saying, 208 grains or 208 feet per second, eight grains per pound. I'm lighter than that and a little faster than that. Yeah, it's gonna be. That's gonna be depending on, like you said, it's gonna be depending on what what your arrow currently weighs. If you shoot a 400 grain arrow, 10 grains isn't gonna do much at all because it's not gonna change a lot of speed, um, and it's, a lot of it's gonna be facial features and anchor point, and um, so it's gonna be different for everybody. But to give people an idea, I mean, if if you're 36 inches away, you're going to have to make a lot. Um, yeah, if you're close, you know, if you're within a foot, okay, you just make a couple little minor changes and you'll probably be there. Um, if I, if I was like a foot short, I'd probably up poundage like one pound. I'd probably cut one inch of arrow and I might be really close and I might need to take 10 more grains off the point weight, but that's going to be about, what I need to do if I need to get a foot more. Yeah, I mean, if I'm within uh, even two feet high or low, I, I can pretty much get that, you know, with turning the limb bolts in or out a, a turn or two, trimming the arrow an inch or two, or changing point weight, you know, 20 grains. Some combination of that, if I'm within you know, a foot and a half or so, I, I'm good to go. Now, if I'm, you know, a whole meter off the top of the target or below the, the target, then then we're going to have to really rethink everything. I think we pretty much covered everything. I would, I would say, say so. Don't be, don't be afraid of the 50-meter game. Get out and shoot it a little bit. It, it's mathematically easier than the 40-centimeter target at 18 meters. So yeah. get out there and give it a shot. Yeah. It, it's, it's really fun. Uh, I think it's more fun than indoor, personally. Definitely. I 100% agree with that statement. It's definitely more fun than indoor, I think. Indoors it's less aggravating. Grind. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Indoors, indoors are I always the arrows fly. I always considered indoor is when you get to practice your form, and outdoor is when you get to perform. That's a good way to put it. Yeah. All right, Rick. Well, thanks so much for joining us, man. We really appreciate it. Um, you know, you've uh, been around the sport a long time. We respect that. So thanks so much yeah, for thanks giving for us information. Rick, it was nice talking to you. Definitely. Likewise. Thank you, fellas. All right, man. Thanks. Have a good night. Have a good night. See good you. Night.